today. We thank you for your word. We lift up Joshua's grandmother this morning. We pray that you would be kind to um, his family and to her. Um, that in your grace that you would touch her body and minimize the effects of this stroke. We thank you for your grace to us every morning. That your mercy is renewed every morning because we need it. And we just pray that you would. Be with us again as um, as we study this next section of Leviticus, that your um, spirit would testify to the beauty uh, of Jesus. Draw our hearts to Him this morning, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Um, all right, we are in Leviticus chapter 10. The last little bit of the uh, installation narrative. Remember, we were going through uh, chapters 9 and 10 where the ordination of the priesthood, where Aaron and his sons uh, got ordained uh, through ritual, were uh, attained ritual holiness. Um, there was, well, what happened in chapter 10 1? Something happened. It was an awful deal with two of Aaron's sons, just by way of review. The death of Nadab and Abihu. Why did that happen? They brought in foreign fire. Strange fire. Un, unauthorized fire. What was the point of that? Why was that an unauthorized deal? What, what, was, what was going on there? God said, don't bring fire outside of the altar. Do the, do the fire that I've lit. The, the idea is, I provided the fire, you're going to bring it here for the in, burning of incense. It is a procedural error, right? But why did they do it? They might have been drunk. One of the theories is they were drunk. What's another theory? Misunderstanding of who was allowed to go in there? Misunderstanding of who was allowed to go in there? Or? Maybe they were just disobedient. Maybe they were just disobedient. Maybe it was an intentional misunderstanding. Intentional misunderstanding. An intentional act... Uh, arrogance, it could have been pride, could have been some of those things. So you have that going on. Uh, it came down to their heart, right? Where was their heart? Was it, was it negligent with the things of God? Or was it an intentional thing? Either way, it was a breach of what God had commanded. So we've got this, chapter 10 starts this way. And then last week we looked at um, commands. God goes into additional commands to Aaron about the priesthood. But this is the backdrop of what we see in the next section of chapter 10. The, the, this is all happening on the same day. It's the eighth day of the ordination. Nadab and Abihu get uh, engulfed in the flames from, that came out of the glory of God. And then these commands are given. And then we have this issue in chapter 10, starting in verse 16. Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering. And behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is a thing most holy and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary, 
you certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? And when Moses heard that, he approved. What is going on here? So it's not only uh, not doing what it's not only doing what you shouldn't do; it's not doing what you should do. They were supposed to have done this, and they didn't. They were supposed to have done this, and they didn't. What were they supposed to do? Let's kind of flesh it out and see what what's the what's the problem. Um, Moses the prophet. We're just going to set the stage here. Moses the prophet is the representative of God to the people, right? The priests are the representative of the people to God, right? That's the, that, those are the offices that we have presented so far. King comes later. Right now, king is God. So you have this relationship going on where Moses acts as the mouthpiece of God and he inspects the sin offering. Which sin offering? Because remember, they offered two. Right? Remember when they, in chapter, not, well, yes, they're both goats, but there was one initially offered on behalf of the priests for their own sin. What happens with the meat from that one? That one gets burned whole, right? It's, a, it's, it's consumed. Why is that? Remember? We had talked about uh, the priest shouldn't benefit from their own sin and being able to take part of Right. Let's sin more so that meat may abound. We don't want to have that. So God, God says that meat gets consumed because it's for your own sin. You don't get to profit from your own sin, right? The second offering was on behalf of the people themselves to make atonement for them. What happens to that meat? The, the priest can eat from that meat, right? And you have two things here. Moses terms it this way. The blood was not brought into the holy place. In other words, when the priests are making atonement for themselves, the blood is brought into the tent itself. The, the, and, and, it's, and it's used in ceremony inside the tent. For the people, it's splashed outside in, at the altar. So there are two locations, one for the priests and one for the people. And he said it wasn't brought into the holy place. So you should have eaten the meat, right? We have a procedural error. Something wasn't completed. If it's not completed, what does that mean? If it's an atoning sacrifice for the people and the priests haven't completed the ritual required for the atoning sacrifice for the people... What, where are, where does that leave us? Where do we stand? Their sin still counts against them. They're still in breach of covenant. They're exposed to the wrath of God. They're not covered by the atoning sacrificial blood of this goat, this substitute. So the priests, according to Moses, if this sacrifice was made on behalf of the people and they didn't finish the ceremony, if they didn't eat the meat, the people are still vulnerable. And God's not playing. We've just seen that He's not playing. Right? So Moses is a little upset. 
It says angry. We're in a tight spot. What are they going to do? It doesn't just affect them. They're performing an atoning sacrifice for the people. The priests, and Moses uses this language, you bear the iniquity of the congregation. If they don't do it right, then God won't accept the sacrifice. The people will be harmed. And Moses' assumption is that this second offering was on behalf of the people. He draws the right conclusion from his assumption. Is that right? Draw, uh, pull this from it too. We're just looking at Moses' statement here. He's angry. I mean, it says he's angry. We can, we can, we have to guess at that. Sometimes the text is very clear. <laughs> We're thankful for that. He's angry. But notice what he does. He thought that God had been disobeyed and the priesthood was in danger and the people were in danger. But the language he uses, you ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary. He gives them an audience for response. This is what you ought to have done. Pause. And so he gives a chance for them to respond to what should have been. Why does he do that? He's asking the reason. Instead of straight condemnation, though, he's asking for a response. Why do you think he's doing that? It's a matter of the heart. Where is their heart right now? What had just happened? They just lost two. Or the brothers just lost two of their brothers, and Aaron just lost two of his sons. They've got family members that have been consumed in a very open, obvious, and graphic way. What, where are their hearts right now? They're not supposed to get their hair disheveled. They're not supposed to drink any wine. They're not supposed to tear their clothes. They're not supposed to show that they're mourning. But are they? Absolutely. And probably very aware of their own sin. And very aware of their own sin. That's key. They're probably scared spitless too. These are the surviving sons of Aaron. Yeah. There's a great fear here. I would think so. God hasn't struck them down for this yet. He's still talking to them. But Moses wants to get to the bottom of what's going on here. Right? Because there was no time for discussion with Nadab and Abihu. God just struck them down immediately. Obviously, he's held back here. What's going on? We need to fix this before he changes his mind or before he acts again on, in wrath. Or we don't, you know, Moses is, is angry and I think there's some fear in his anger. This is the last of the priesthood here. <laughs> we want to make sure that this gets fixed quickly. He wants to get to the bottom of it. What's Aaron's response? What's his response? What can you say? Does that make sense to you, what he says? Let me read through it again and we'll, and we'll talk about what, what could be going here. Behold, Carlos, wherever he is, behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord and yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten a sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? What's he talking about? He's got a bad heart. 
a bad heart. In what way? He's supposed to be leading the people, but he's mourning the death of his son. So he's probably, I'm guessing, blaming God for it and struggling through um, maybe even hatred of God. Why is this happening? What makes you think that? Because he he openly admits that he's got a, a heart issue. Would, if he would have eaten this today on behalf of the people, would God have approved? Uh. The underlying answer is no. God would not approve, meaning his heart is not in the right spot. Okay. What lets you know that he's there about what has happened in Adam and Abihu? What is it about the language? How does he describe that event? Yet such things as these have happened to me. Such things as these have happened to me. What does that tell you? He's a father. Just because he's put on the holy robes doesn't mean he's lost his humanity. He's grieving. His heart's in turmoil over this. He's not allowed to show it, but it's there and it's a storm. It's It's that same day that we're doing this. He's grieving as as a father. Because of the exceptional circumstances of the day... It's just too risky to eat the meat. Something greater might happen. And he uses that grief as a, 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 of an appeal to Moses and by extension to God. These things have happened to me. I can't turn this off. My heart is ripped here. Why is it too risky? I mean, just do it. It's the ritual. Why is it too risky? What's that? He could get incinerated. For what? He's doing what he's commanded to do. The meat is considered holy. So what would, what would that matter? There's a big precedent about the heart having to be in the same place. Ah. The heart. The heart of the matter is that my heart is the matter. Is that the Timothy of Brindle? Was his? That's the issue, isn't it? It's the heart. You can do the right procedure, but he is conscious enough of his own heart to say, I don't want to, I'm scared to do that. I don't want to come before God. Even in the right procedure, I don't want to come before him with a wrong heart. At the core, what they're doing is leading in the worship of Yahweh, but they're all mourning. They fear that the sacrifice for the congregation would not be accepted if they eat the meat. Here's the key. This is not original with me. Smart guys helped me on this one. I did not see this. So I give them credit. Aaron, Moses is assuming that they're offering an offering on behalf of the congregation. Therefore, the priest should eat to complete that offering. Aaron, knowing the state of his heart, assumes that he's offering an offering on behalf of himself, his sons, and the congregation. We're all in this second one together because of where my heart is. And if that's the case, would the Lord have approved if he had eaten it? No. What turns this offering into an offering of, for the priests versus the congregation? It's where the heart is. What's the basis of his decision not to eat the meat, but to burn it up? 
what he's concerned that he's been involved in a sin, and the motive behind it is the fear of the Lord, right? It's discerning and applying what you discern in the fear of the Lord. That's his motive behind this. That's his reasoning behind it. Isn't that what God commanded him to do? Just one verse above? You're to discern. You're to determine what is holy and unholy, what is clean and unclean, and to teach the people the law. Isn't that what He gave them? And He's doing it right here. I would be unclean to eat this meat. And we'll talk about why in a second. Yeah. I'm having a hard time seeing in this text how it's a heart issue. I mean, I think that's a... For me, I have to make a big assumption. It's like, well, Aaron would be sad if his sons just died, but it doesn't really say it here. I think it's more of just he feared the Lord... And it was his sons, Nahab and Abihu, that sinned. So Aaron's essentially part of that. So maybe it's better that he doesn't uh, eat the goat because because of his son's sins, it kind of like carries... How would, and, and, and that's where I'm going next. How would Aaron be part of that sin? Because it's like he was responsible for his son's actions. How is he responsible for his son's actions? Like by the way... So, as a father, he feels... You, yeah. But isn't that an assumption that you're making? Well, yeah, I guess either one would be an assumption. So, we're trying to look at the totality of the circumstances and put ourselves in their sandals and see what their, what their language is calling for. So, yeah, we have to do that somewhat. You're right. It doesn't explicitly say, and Aaron cried for 30 minutes before he didn't right. eat the goat. It, it just says, he says, such things have happened to me. So it leads us into thinking that that's just, this is heavy on his mind. And I think you're right. I think there's something going on with an association that he has with the sons beyond just I'm their father, though. I, I just can't really jump to the conclusion that I don't think his heart's not in the right place. I think his heart may be fearful that it's not in the right place. I think he's fearing that he's being associated with his sons on this sin that they did for two reasons. One... Because they're all priests together, corporately. And what one does, they're all involved in that. And two, they're also charged with the duty to guard the tabernacle. Right? So there's a sense in which we let this happen. Yes? So there's a feeling of, if we let this happen... Are we coming to the sacrifice for the people with whole hearts, with right hearts? Because we just let this happen. So I think there's some of that. I think it's fear. I don't know, if, and I think actually the fear and the action that they did shows that they probably had right hearts. Because what happens? What's Moses' response? He approves, he agrees. He agrees. He's not saying... Well, you need to go do another sin offering for your sin of sinning with the sin offering before. He says, he, he just, he quiets. He's angry, and then he stops and he proves. And it, get, and it goes to this idea of their concern is uh, based upon a fear of, of the Lord. God judges the heart, right? Compare the response. Well, Let's see. Do they in some way share the guilt of Nadab and Abihu? Are they guilty corporately as priests for their brother's sin? Are they guilty for not guarding the tabernacle from, from what was defiling? These are the questions that, uh, that are called by 
this response. If this sin occurred after their own atoning sacrifice, the first sin offering, then they may have considered the second sin offering on behalf of themselves as well as the people, as atonement for them as well as the people. And if that's the case, it would have been a violation of God's law to eat the meat. And God wouldn't have accepted it, and the people would have been endangered. So the rightness of this action, what does it turn on? It turns on the heart. It turns on where their heart is. What is more proper? Weighing the heart in the fear of the Lord or following the procedure. That's the key. Discern what is holy and unholy. Discern what is clean and unclean. Compare the response of Aaron and Eleazar Nithamer, who obeyed Aaron in this, to Nadab and Abihu. What do you see here? You see great humility and fear. Right? What are they putting aside in, in considering themselves part of the second offering? What are they putting aside? They're putting aside their, their lofty position, which is a state of humility. They're putting aside, I'm entitled to this great choice meat because they're concerned about their heart before God. I could do this procedurally. It would be acceptable. But I'm going to put that aside now because I'm worried about coming before God with a heart that may not be right. That Because Good point. obviously Moses, it, it looks bad what what they did. It looks like they're not, you know, following procedure. It seems like Nadab and Abihu were in the ditch of of not following God's commands and 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 disregarding right. God's commands, and they here are avoiding the other ditch of just following procedure. Mm-hmm and just looking good on the outside, mm-hmm. which is an easy ditch to, to follow. Right. And, and instead of doing that, they follow their conscience, is, I mean, it sounds like. Yes. Um, I think that's a great point, that if they had gone through with the procedure, only God would have known about the state of their heart. If it were, or, or that fear that maybe we're not doing this kind the right like heart. The Lord's Supper when you know yeah. Right. Only God knows the state of your heart. And, you know, it looks good, you know, if everybody participates. I mean, that's just yeah. one example. Yeah, no, it's, it was the one I was going to. It's okay. <laughs> All right. See you all later. <laughs> Have a good day. To the priests, the remaining priests, the second offering applies to them as well. If I fear that my heart is not right before God and I enter in with everyone else, uh, there. if I fear that my heart is not right before God, I enter in with everyone else in my need for atonement too and it may involve me foregoing rights to which I am not otherwise entitled. That's the argument that Aaron seems to be making here. Would God have approved if I had gone ahead and taken a part of what I'm entitled to or what is permissible if my heart is not right. And Moses' response, Moses is the representative of God to man, is pleased. He approves. He does so because God is pleased. It's not the procedure. 
It's the heart. If they had blown the procedure because they were negligent or just didn't care, like Nadab and Abihu, it would be a different ending to the story. But they did care very much about whether God would be pleased. And in this instance, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. It appears that Aaron really wanted God's acceptance. And here's what just blows me away about this. Is this the same man that built the golden calf? I mean, think about that. I'm entitled to this. Look at me. Isn't that the temptation here? I'm wearing the cool robes and the cool crown and holy to the Lord on the top. I can eat this. Procedurally, I'm entitled to this. But I want His approval, not yours. Go back to, what, chapter 32? Is that where it was? In Exodus? Uh, I know Moses isn't here. He's up on the mountain. He's going to be back. Uh, give me all your earrings. Right? I want your approval, not God's. This is a different man. What, what makes the difference? The heart. The heart. His desire to be holy. And there's fear of the Lord. There's also the experience with God of knowing God better. So his uh, uh, Aaron's faith in God has increased because of what he's gone through. Uh-huh. Because God said and they did, and God didn't say and they did anyway, and his sons died. Right. And, um, and it's it's molded him into this. Yeah. So it's it's that experience with. God and what God has done for him and revealed himself that has made him into this. Okay, so there's an experiential element with God. There's a, a working, I would argue too, a working on the heart. Since the golden calf incident, he's been giving him the law. He's been steeped in learning this stuff. He's been, you know, so there's some of, of that accountability from that, the, the shame of that too, works to humble the heart. All right. And we've already mentioned it, but it bears mentioning again. There's a couple of things to take away from this. First, do you see here that a person's attitude in worship is as important, if not more, than the form of worship? Hosea would later say, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Uh, Stephen Charnock was Puritan back in the day, and he said it this way. Without the heart, it is no worship. It is, sta- it is a stage play. And acting, uh, an acting a part without being that person really, which is acted by us. A hypocrite in the notion of the world is a stage player. But to worship without our spirits is a presenting God with a picture, an echo, voice, and nothing else. A compliment, a mere lie. Many of the smart folks land on the notion that Aaron did not eat the meat because he knew his heart couldn't do it joyfully and in the right spirit. Um, I, I think 
I can see that, but I, I differ a little sli- uh, slightly on it, as we've talked about already. I think he was reverently worshiping God by not eating because of the concern of offending him with a potentially sinful heart. What did Job do every morning, did it say? He rose early to offer sacrifices on behalf of his children in case they would offend God. There was the potential for them to... Maybe he knew his kids a little better than the text gives us you know, information. But in case they would offend God. I don't want to even be anywhere near offending you. I don't want to even be close to that line. I want to be near the heart of God in approval and acceptance. That's the heart that I think Aaron is showing here. Kevin, I think there's an admission of guilt with what happened with his two sons that were consumed. So I think I think his heart may have been in the right spot on this action by not eating the meat, but by doing that, he's admitting that he had sinned along with them or was responsible for them while he was born. And and as a as a high priest, I'm sure he would feel responsible as well. And you know them not guarding the tabernacle. Yeah, there's all those things there. I agree. But in his in his action of not eating, I think there's a worship that God is greater that God yeah okay that God is greater than me that I want to be accepted by Him and I don't want to that's more important to me than looking good to everybody else on the outside. Um. All right. Is that our motive? We're going to bring it back here. Is it my motive? How often should I set aside a right or a privilege because I don't engage it with the right heart? Who thinks like that? Who thinks like that? Jesus. Always a good answer in Sunday school. If I... If I am looking at something that I'm entitled to or that would be permissible to me to have and yet I forego it because I'm concerned about the motive by which I'm taking it. We talked a little bit about that last week. There are many other issues that could be dealt with more than just can I have a beer on a Friday night at a football game. There are many other issues. We live lives of examining our hearts, what's the motive? That's a Christian life. You don't just blaze through assuming that because you show up on Sunday morning, or show, which I'm glad you're here, or show up on, you know, we don't do Sunday night, or show up on Wednesday nights and do the thing. That's not, it's not a function of procedure. It's a function of the heart, right? Are you all in? Do you want to be close to Him do I want to be accepted by Him by how I live? Am I, am I toeing the line of Christendom or am I running to Jesus with my whole heart? Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Tammy mentioned communion. Uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. What's the test? Where's my heart when it's when it's in neutral? What's the what's if I'm not gear shifting, if I'm in neutral, how's the engine humming? Where's it humming? Is it humming toward worldling stuff or is it humming toward I want to be approved by him? 
That's the test of the heart. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Romans 2, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, doing all the right stuff, all the right procedure, nor is circumcision outward and physical. What does that mean? It's inward. It's heart work. Galatians 6.15 says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. The, the procedure doesn't matter. But a new creation. Part of... Uh, let's see if I've got a few minutes. Part of uh, our, our, our reason for being uh, unusually late this morning um, was a heart issue with one of our dear children who shall remain nameless. Um, and this child has uh, uh, sometimes just, just loses their mind <laughs> and gets angry and yells and says things that are really goofy to say to someone who's ten times your size. <clears throat> it, it, it shouldn't go well. Um, but this thing happened uh, to Tammy who promptly sent this child to a, a solitary place where there was nothing to play with and, uh, and said, wait till your father gets here. Which I love that because that, you know, I immediately put on the, bad, the executioner's hat. And, um, and so I went in to deal with this child and I'm already, I mean, I, I do not tolerate ever any, I don't care where we are, the wrath of dad will fall if you yell at mom. It's going to happen. It's swift, immediate, very graphic and painful, and there are heads that go, what? You know, I, I do not like that. I do not like that. And so, I go in ready to, from my glory, have fire come out and consume this child who has done this great and heinous procedural error in our house of yelling at, at their mother, this child has done. So, I said, dead men walking, come forth, you know. And he comes out of the room that Tammy had banished him to. And um, he is a generic term. It's like a Delphoi in Greek. It means Z. Z comes out. Uh, it was a joke. It was a joke. So, so this child comes out and he's just, tears are just streaming down his face. And he's just broken and crying. And I could tell that it wasn't just the fear of dad that was going on, although there was some of that. He says to me, I don't know why I just did that. I don't know why I did that. I didn't want to do that. But I did it. I can't stop it. What do I do? That's not a child question. That's a heart that's being shaped and molded by Christ. And so we sat down and we said, look, it's, you know, the belt was here, the belt goes here. I see the heart there. And I have the advantage of having him open his mouth and actually say something. Otherwise, I would have acted on a wrong assumption. I would have said, 
You should have eaten the meat. Right? You should have followed procedure. But I see the heart there. And so we sat down and he said, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know. And we talked about, you know, the, the repentance and faith and turning away from what displeases God and, and saying, I'm sorry. And trusting that what Christ has done while he was on the cross bore your unna- uh, unholy rage, uh, your disobedience, your false accusing of your sister, your... Uh, anyway, we can go on. I had a list. Um, he bore that. You gotta trust that. Do you trust that? Does it cover that? And this is a thing that we're just sitting on the bed and he's just, gee, the kid is pouring out his heart. I can't stop this. And you're right. You can't. You can't. But he can. And he will. Trust him. Do the means of grace. You, you repent, you, you confess your sin and trust that He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and then go and sin no more. But I can't not sin anymore. No. <laughs> but that's why we have Jesus. And in the process of repenting and repenting to the people you've offended first and then coming to God with your offering repenting to Him because you've ultimately offended Him and then saying... I need to trust you. Help me trust you more that I don't have to have wrath because you're the judge. I don't have to have anger because it's your wrath that's important, not mine. I I don't have to be right all the time because you're right and you're just. Trusting in who He is, let that apply to the heart. And I told him, there is a... Yes, I did it. There is a heart inside that's a new creation and it wants to be close to Jesus. If it doesn't, we got a problem. But in but the heart is encased in this body that says, I still want to do what the old heart did. I still want to live like the worldlings. I still want to do what all the kids at school do. I want to talk to their my parents like they do. That's the that's the body that encloses this heart. And you've got to put it to death. There's a battle going on. You've got to put it to death. And that involves work to shut your mouth when you need to shut it, but it also involves work of being humble enough to say, I can't stop this. I can't beat this. I need you every hour. Oh, holy Lord. I've got to have Jesus. And I want to be accepted by Him. I don't want to toe the line. I want to go all in. Maybe I should put aside something I'm entitled to and let God work on my heart. Be intentional about letting Him work on my heart. So yes, our discussion this morning was informed by a lesson I had just recently prepared. But that's, that's who we all are, isn't it? Aren't there anxieties that we fight? Aren't there things that we, that we struggle with? And, and it's like, I can't beat this. Notice also the character of God here. He's not so extreme as to mark off for the procedure. He could have consumed them for this. They didn't follow the procedure. It's the heart. Which then throws it back to us. Do we reflect that in our dealings with one another? Tammy reminds me often with our in-laws, my in-laws, 
Think of their motive. Think of their heart. How quick I am to judge somebody because they don't follow my procedure. God doesn't do that here. I shouldn't do that there if I want to reflect Him. Right? Yeah. I think this passage is kind of difficult for me because, one, we have a misguided definition of heart. We think of emotion instead of right intention of the heart. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to us, post-Christ in the church, half the time we need to go ahead and do procedure even when we don't feel it. <clears throat> use a different definition of heart. Yeah. Because half the time I don't I don't want to be here. I don't mm-hmm. want to... I don't want to read my Bible in the morning. And it takes doing it anyway without my emotion mm-hmm. involved. But that is that is a right heart. Mm-hmm. is doing the procedure even when you don't feel it. Being, being faithful in yeah. what you're called to For do. For us, it's kind of flip-flop from what they did. Well, Yet, and often praying that God, that God does prod your heart and does change your heart. Because I, I absolutely agree that that there are sometimes where you, you just need to be obedient, right. even when you don't feel very close to the Lord, and you don't feel what and you that's right think heart. you should feel, but yet you still pray that God redeems your emotions, because our emotions should, we should have joy in the Lord. We yeah. should have, you know, we should have right emotions, yeah. too. But, um, but I, I think that that's not an excuse not to be obedient. Our emotions usually trail our actions. Sometimes. Sometimes they do. On a good day. But I think even here, um, we can learn that there, it, it takes wisdom in how to be faithful. Maybe I don't do the read the Bible a year and keep myself on a four chapter a day pace. Maybe I just need to spend some time reading a sentence a day and just dwelling on it, memorizing it, and chewing on it. Because that is what my heart needs to be doing. Maybe. We're all individual. All individuals and all have hearts that, that respond to different things. Alright, any, any, um, any other comments, questions, fruit to be thrown? Okay, let's pray. Father, it is often um, an intimidating thing to think that you see our hearts and judge our hearts. What a comfort it is to know that you see past bad procedure and to motives. And that you're gracious and kind to us. And that you're patient with us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that because of the perfect obedience of Christ, you see us and have applied to us His perfect obedience. Help us to rest in that while we work hard to reflect the beauty of Christ in our actions. We want right hearts. 
We want hearts that feel and not just know. Would you help us by your Spirit to be mindful of our motives? Even things that may be permissible can be profaned and sullied because of wrong hearts. Teach us to be good priests in your tabernacle. And as we go into the main service this morning, let us feast on the Word. Let us enjoy the taste of Christ as we listen to the preached Word this morning. Thank you for those who are here. I thank you that you're doing the work that only you can do in each of their hearts. And I pray that you convict all of us to love each other as Christ loves us. And to be wise about how we show it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.